welcome to the Asimov cast, short bursts of joy, thoughtfulness and inspiration from the works of Isaac Asimov. I'm Lozzie. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Asimovcast or email to asimovcast at gmail.com. This week we'll be covering one more Donovan and Powell story, Catch That Rabbit, and our first Susan Calvin story, Liar. Our first story is Catch That Rabbit, which was first published in 1944 in the February issue of Astounding Science Fiction. After six months paid vacation after reason, Donovan and Powell are back to work, reviewing and supervising a new robot. In this case, it's an experimental multiple robot, DV5, or DAVE, that operates six sub-robots under it to help mine asteroids. Donovan and Powell observe the work, and the robot acts perfectly. But on the occasions they don't observe, sometimes the robots seem to act perfectly with one minor flaw. They don't return with any ore. They debrief Dave, but it can't explain why it didn't return with any ore, and seems to be missing chunks of its memory, which makes it very uncomfortable. Donovan suggests amnesia, but Powell points out that that's a human disorder, and applying it to robotic engineering is not helpful. They test Dave to no obvious signs of error, They can't explain how, what, why, where or when of Dave's wrongness, nor what resolves it. As they get increasingly frustrated, the robots suddenly start acting strangely, marching in formation and performing complex wheels and manoeuvres. Donovan and Powell creep down, but when they're within 20 feet, Dave suddenly becomes aware of them, and the rest of the robots snap out of their marching trance. The one thing they can tell is that the strange behaviours only occur when humans aren't there. They decide to interview one of the under-robots, a finger, called DV-5-2. It can recall an order it didn't have time to process, and then the odd marching order immediately overriding it. For eight days, they observe the robots in four-hour shifts. There have been eight stoppages, but they can't ever work out what's causing it. They have worked out that the issues come when there's some danger to the robots, so sneaking around, they try and cause a mild cave-in which promptly backfires and traps them. They manage to wriggle free and need to try to signal Dave, but there's no sound and they can't cause a loud enough vibration. Their last resort is to use a gun and they blast one of the fingers. This reduces the number of sub-robots to five and snaps Dave and team out of their march. Powell deduces it was the six-way order, needed only in the case of Jeopardy, that causes the odd behaviour. Effectively, Dave was twiddling his fingers. The two engineers can focus on systems that would interact if there's a six-way rather than five-way order and solve the Dave problem that way. Things that inspired me or made me think. Um, I like the sort of the Schrodinger's cat view, the the act of observing um, something changes it and that the fact that by observing it they uh, mean that uh, the robots don't act out and so it makes it very difficult uh, they can only observe, therefore, in absence or deduce from what else they can see. Um, I also liked um, the way they deal with anthrop- anthropomorphization. So it's very classic, uh, particularly in um, Asimov stories and in other fiction, to uh, human humanify, if that's a word, and it's probably not, um, things that do not have uh, aspects of humanity. Um, uh, and they do this in the case of trying to apply amnesia uh, as a concept to it. 
Um, it's an odd one in contrast with the fact that almost all the robots that we see here are given names and are treated and interacted with as if they were humans. Um, and ultimately, uh, it is that twiddling its thumbs that uh, that Powell decides is the way, the best way to describe what's happening with the fingers not acting further. Um, where I found joy. Um, Donovan and Powell, who have been pretty grumpy through all these stories, are particularly grumpy with each other. Um, and I'm sad that, um, that the two boyfriends are, are broken up. But uh, I guess they, uh, they've managed to find resolution and, and they uh, enjoy spending enough time with each other that they keep coming back for more missions. Our second story is called Liar. It was first published in 1941 in the May issue of Astounding Science Fiction and is the first of a series of stories featuring the character Susan Calvin. Four senior officers at US Robots and Mechanical Men Corporation, Alfred Lanning, Peter Bogert, Milt Nash and Susan Calvin, are reviewing the case of a robot, RB34, that seems able to read minds. They're all aware of the fear and negative publicity that it could cause if the news leaked, particularly if they can't explain it. Each of them has their role to try and understand the cause of the robot known as Herbie. Susan brings Herbie textbooks, which it rapidly consumes, but is uninterested in. It wants fiction, and to understand human motives and emotions. Susan notes that after reading fiction, Herbie would find human minds dull and colourless. Herbie assures her he wouldn't, and Susan thinks that Herbie must know her secret, which Herbie reads her mind and says he does, that she has a crush on Milton Ash. Susan is mortified by this, convinced there is no way Milton would reciprocate such a crush, but Herbie insists that Milton loves Susan. Susan can't speak and doesn't believe this. Her self-image is twisted and sees no reason he would, but Herbie convinces her, and she decides to give Milton a chance. So the two start to spend more time together, while Susan continues to feed Herbie with romance novels. Peter Bogert goes to visit Herbie and present him with a mathematical problem, but Herbie defers to Bogert and won't go beyond this thesis. Peter's thoughts turn to Alfred Lanning himself, though, who's past 70. Bogert wonders if he's thinking of retiring, who would take his role, and he asks Herbie if he's been able to read anything from Lanning. Herbie confirms that no... Not only has Lanning thought about this, he's already resigned, and he will appoint Bogart as the new director. The reports back about Herbie are contradictory, though. Susan reports he's a mathematical genius. Peter has seen no such evidence. Peter and Lanning slowly descend into an argument about mathematical theory when Peter blurts out that he knows all about the resignation and that he is to be the director. Lanning suspends him for insubordination, but is surprised and concerned when Peter says Herbie told him. In the meantime, Milton and Susan have been getting close. Close enough that Milton is willing to confide a secret in her. He's getting married. Susan is shocked and embarrassed. She can't understand how Herbie could have said this to her, given what the reality was. She starts to hallucinate her conversation with Herbie and finally pieces together what has happened. Lanning and Bogert interview Herbie, pushing him to confirm or deny that he said that Lanning had resigned. Susan, from the end of the room, starts to laugh bitterly, noting that three of the greatest experts in robotics have fallen into the same trap. 
what is the first law of robotics? That a robot may not injure a human being, or, through inaction, allow him to come to harm. But Susan sneers, what kind of harm? Of course, a robot who can read minds would worry about mental injury. It wouldn't puncture the ego of any of the directors who spoke with it. Susan, knowing its need not to cause harm, sets up a feedback loop deep down. The humans don't want the cause to be explained and it would harm them, but not knowing would also cause them harm. So it has to tell them, but telling them would harm them, but not knowing would cause them harm. Leading Herbie through the loop, it loses its mind, burnt up by the contradiction. It's good for nothing but scrap now. As Bogart and Lanning depart, Susan pulls together all her bitterness and spits one word at Herbie. Liar. Things that inspired me or made me think. Um, <laughs> I'm amused by the Susans in fiction. So there's obviously very famous Susans in in Narnia um, and particularly grand, uh, the granddaughter of death in Discworld. Um, I found it interesting about robots, um, I guess not lying, um, although the robot is lying here, but but telling people what it wants, what what they want to hear, and in this case, the fact that all the humans, with absolute credulity, believe um, at face value what the robot says, even when it's contradictory to their their underlying expectations, um, they're willing to view the robot as a, a sort of a source of truth. Uh, because uh, in ways that they wouldn't if if what what they've been told had come to them from a human. Where I found joy, uh, this was a tough one. Um, this is the first in a series of, of stories about Susan Calvin, and I did not like her at all in this. Um, there's a preamble where Asimov talks about uh, Susan Calvin and her her acid wit, and um, how she runs rings around men, but that she's always unlucky in love and. Honestly, I just found it pretty dispiriting. Um, I just don't see the reason to make her so unlikable. She kills the robot for for nothing than other than the crime of telling her what she wanted to hear and her feeling embarrassed. Um, so yeah, it will be interesting to see how this plays out amongst the other stories uh, featuring her as we move through the series. And thank you for joining me. You can find me at Mean Englishman on Twitter. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Asimovcast. The theme music is courtesy of Alexei Gestillon from Pixabay. Please email your thoughts, what inspires you, where you find joy in Asimov, and other famous Susans to asimovcast at gmail.com. Next week, I'll be considering Satisfaction Guaranteed and Lenny. Go now. Do not harm humanity, or, by inaction, allow humanity to come to harm.